Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. How's it going and welcome to episode 116 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. You can follow me at 80 Grade. That's all spelled out. And you can follow Kevin Hastings at Hasting Kevin. And it was nice to have Kevin back with us last week, but unfortunately he is off again this week. Instead, I'm very lucky to welcome back to the pod, Mr. Greg Jewett. Greg should be followed on the Twitter at GJewett9. He is the closer expert at The Athletic, contributor over at Baseball HQ, most notably the founder and owner of Reliever Recon, which is a must-follow in any and all insight into the bullpen world, both preseason and throughout the regular season. We'll take a bit more time to talk reliever landscape with Greg throughout the 2023 season and observations he's made so far. But before we get into all that, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to come back on the show. How's the season treating you so far? Not too badly. Actually, even though I focus on relievers, I, after conversations with a couple of NFBC veterans, I zagged when the market was zagging and I targeted more starting pitchers than I normally, I did that last year and it worked for me and I stayed on the same plane, even though I've lost Max Freed on three of five teams that I'm running the pitching. The last I look, even in the main event, when I looked last Sunday, my, I was first in whip. So I got knocked on wood, but you're trying to lay down that foundation of good things in case you need to get crazy later. And even though I unfortunately took Corbin Burns in that draft, I've still been doing um, fairly and had a couple of decent pickups, even though I missed out on all of the big rookie things that came down the pike. I got a cheaper Tanner Houck. I'm hoping he can stay in the rotation and at least give me two good turns. I know the third time through the lineup has been a disaster for him, but if he's getting strikeouts, and Boston remains competitive, that'll be okay. And we'll figure it out. A couple, one league, I'm a little light on stolen bases. So I've been trying to stream them. We'll talk about some of that later when we go through some of the potential ads. And we're just, I think people get so caught up on standings right now where it, it's almost like a, a split where some people are so focused on the standings and other people don't want to look just until say the same thing. a week into June <laughs> and like, all right, I'll start figuring out what I need to do. Um, just I think you can keep tabs on what's happening, but I'm more focused on what my numbers look like, not where I necessarily am in the standings. How about yourself? Yeah, Kevin and I were talking about it last week. It was nice to take this turn in like in the majority of my leagues where I was seeing too many leagues in the double digits on the standings, right? In both 12 and 15 teamers, mm-hmm. too many of those were hitting 10, 11, 12 in the league and then all of a sudden you start creeping up and you start seeing some nines and seeing, seeing some sixes and some threes and some ones and going back and forth ones and twos so it's felt good i have been about two week, two or three weeks ago i started really diving into where i was in the standings what categories i can make the most headway in and really not maybe it doesn't affect the pickups as much as it does affect like who i'm sh- 
in-team streaming throughout mm-hmm. the week. So especially my hitters, hey, if I know I need to make up some runs and I'm really doing really good in RBIs, I'm looking for the guys at the top of the order, especially in that first half of the week. How many how many games, how many played appearances can I take advantage of? Stuff like that. So I am micromanaging most of my teams in that fashion, especially the ones closer to the tops of my leagues so i not only want to make up ground where i can but i also want to hold the ground that i have obviously except i've got one i've got one team i think that is like heads and tails above in stolen bases so it's like one of those things where it's like benching all my speed only guys in that league just to see if i can capitalize on any power that might be on my bench (laughs) but besides that yeah it's about just just treading water for a little while making sure you don't lose ground in any of those areas. And like you said, we'll be talking about some of those options, especially if you're looking to stream certain categories in the coming weeks or throughout the rest of the season. I like that you talked about like how you zigged where everybody was zagging or vice versa or whatever when it comes to pitching, because that's all we heard about, right? This off season and the preseason, just how deep pitching was, how not so much easy it would be to get it, but like, how many options you had in the first 10 rounds and you could wait on it, yada. And yeah, it's like the edge where people wonder, why does my team have so many starting, like real life team have so many starting pitching. They should trade some of them for a second baseman or an outfielder or whatever. And then you start realizing by May, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's why they had so much depth in starting pitching because they're going to lose half of them by the by the All Star break, and so the depth is important both in the fantasy realm and in real life, obviously. Yeah, I mean, we we think of I got Jeffrey Springs on a couple of teams, and I was like, oh man, maybe I should have taken Rasmus, and then literally, like, and there you he go, he went down. Like, well, didn't matter which one you took. Yeah, there you go. Ones, so There's the quote silver lining. I guess I moved out of the Rays, but. The process was correct because you knew the Rays pitchers were going to produce good ratios and they had a chance to win because they're on a good team. You can't fault the process. You can just deal with what's coming down the pike. And even in tout, because tout, the head-to-head points league that I'm in, you wins are plus seven, losses are minus five. And I would remember, take that I remember, into account. I remember sure. people that were spending decent amount of money on guys on that were going to be on bad teams. And I'm like, I like those pitchers, but I'd rather consider an overpay on Christian Javier, who I got, but he's on Houston. I know Houston's going to usually contend. So I, I want guys in situations to win. That, that was part of the reason that led me to Max Fried in that league. There's been good news on Fried, so I'm hoping he can get back near the All-Star break. That would be, that'll be as big of a pickup as I'll make all season, getting him back on the teams where I held. He was dropped in a couple of main events, so we'll see what happens with all that. Yeah, that's something to be said. That's the beauty of the stash in general, right? It can be the best fab pickup that you make. It's just the one that you didn't have to actually spend any money on. Could, that's the key word though. All right, let's get into some, uh, some things that have happened that may affect who we were looking at for fab this week. Some might not, maybe it doesn't really apply to your league, but I think that there's going to be some considerations here across the board. Let's start with one we touched on a little bit last week. And that is in Minnesota. They've been dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. This is nothing new with Carlos Correa. Obviously, this is something that anybody who was going to sign him was going to realize something was going to happen at some point. And right now, he's not on the IL, but he has plantar fasciitis, which 
is not pleasant. <laughs> Simple as that. It's kept him out of three of the last four games. He did play on Friday, but he was out again on Saturday. He hasn't been placed in the IL yet. And the fact that he played on Friday made me think that maybe he won't actually hit the IL, but this is going to be an ongoing thing that kind of he has to deal with for quite some time, I think. Is this newest injury for Correa... Does this flame the does this fan the flames on the idea that Royce Lewis could be rejoining the Twins at his natural position at shortstop, or is he going to have to? Do you see the only way for him to actually get some playing time with Minnesota is to move to a different position? Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. It has I believe he's been playing some third base at AAA, so I. Yeah, you want to, or I've even they've toyed with him in the outfield as well. So I, I think sooner rather than later. I'm not sure the. I think there was a date that he was going to be first allowed to come up, so that was part of the reason that he was still being delayed. I would think he's going to have to come up there soon. That offense, a person we're going to talk about later, had a great day today, but we don't know how long of a window that's gonna that's gonna have, but. I think it's. I think they should bring him up sooner or later. Now the thing that ties our hands in, and I'm only playing in NFBC leagues this year, so unless he was drafted and dropped, I don't believe I'll be able to bid on him. But I'd have to double check all that. But you'd have to type in his name in your thing in the free agents to see if he's in the pool. But odds are he may not be. So it's you're going to have to wait a week, even if you want to try and make a preemptive strike now in different formats, Yahoo, CBS, Keeper, whatever. You can finagle that a little more easily, but it's time to bring them up and just see what you have. I think Minnesota has nothing to lose by doing that. It's it's nice when Kyle Farmer is performing for you, but you might as well see what one of your prospects can do. Yeah, especially since he's already had a taste last year at the major league level. And honestly, the only reason why he wasn't up on opening day was just the injury concerns that Royce Lewis has, which is nothing new with the twins. Unfortunately for that fan base, they have the, they've been, especially on the, uh, their, their pitching has been past Tyler Molly. Their pitching has been knock on wood, pretty healthy and obviously been doing really good things there, but their lineup has been turning over as often as anybody else. Just because Royce Lewis were to come up <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean he brings any stability. He'd be a savior, but yeah, yeah. Wants. as a fantasy community, we just want to see what he's capable of. Yeah, of course. All right. Let's see somebody who did actually make the jump to the majors this year. We're talking about Bobby Miller, one of the many Millers that we could be ta- talking about this this season, especially from the prospects making their debuts the department. But he made his debut for the Dodgers this past Tuesday. Are, are you expecting this to be the traditional, what has happened to be the weekly triple digit bid for a starting pitching prospect this year? And it, are you going to be in that boat? for those for bidding on his services moving forward actually my main event was one of the i think one of two or three Mm. where he was in the pool because he was drafted and then dropped i thought i put in a pretty competitive bid and i got outbid by a hundred dollars there you go (laughs) a hundred not like he outbid me by so i was the runner-up bid a hundred dollars in the distance and i have a pretty decent amount of fab left in that league i did add him in tout I only had to bid 54 and tout to win them, but yeah, I think I bid 163. So anyways, I think he will go for, especially with a two-step coming, 
I think that's just going to it'd be one thing like, oh, God, another rookie. I'm not going to spend the money. Like, oh, wait a minute, he's on the Dodgers and he's got two starts coming up. So I think the fab dollars will be flying again. I don't think it'll be as extreme because people are running out of money. So I don't think it will have the same avalanche that we've seen in the past. But again, as my league proved, Pro, already proved right it, it was a 260 plus bid to win them just bake that in so i almost think right now you almost have to look at the whole room see what everybody's got left and then you figure out what percent you're comfortable what percent you're comfortable for getting him on your team i think that's as important as saying not i gotta have him it's like at what price does he make sense for me to get and, sure and- it doesn't hurt or it doesn't help that he got the win. He went five innings. He only let up one run, got five Ks against Atlanta, against a yeah. tough matchup in, in his Atlanta. debut. Yeah. And not only does he have the two-step this week, one of those, the first one is against Washington. So this is going to be an opportunity for him to really shine. If he had struggled mightily and still not got, and didn't get sent down, maybe that would have tempered the bids. But I agree. Mm-hmm. I did see there were a couple of, Pretty big bids, your league being one of them in the main event where he was available. I'm venturing to guess if there are more than two teams in your league, especially in a 15-teamer, that have 50% of their fab left, 500 bucks or so, we're going to see some plus $200 bids Mm -hmm. on Bobby Miller. Because we are getting to that point in the season where it's, I've got all this money. What am I going to do with it in the last two thirds of the season? Burning a hole in my pocket. This happens to me every year in 12 teamers, 15 teamers. I'm better about spending my money by the September rolls around. Um, I've literally, I mean, I even the week before when Morel was live, same thing. I was a runner up bid (laughs) by over a hundred dollars. I was like... Uh, Again, I was like, I put in a pretty hefty bid and I still got smoke. <laughs> it's like, I want to spend money and I can't. Right. I got all, all Man, of these I'm, guys. I didn't bid on Bibby. I didn't want to get into that price range. I told you I got outbid on Allen by a dollar by Curlin. And then it is it is what it is. But again, when I spoke to Steve Meyer, I, that was why I was trying to make that point. He was like, what's that player worth to me? And Gee, I was yeah, like, sure. I think that's something people really need to pay attention to. It's you don't have to win the prize pony every week. It's what, what's that person going to do for your roster? And what's he going to, what impact is he going to have in the standings for you? If you've got a bunch of pitching, you don't need to go spend $250 on Bobby Miller. You need to address the other things that you might have open in your roster. All of these things make sense. Don't get caught up in having the next thing when it may not fit your construction. Yeah, that's fair. There's definitely a mental game to it where, like I said, you got money, burning a hole in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You almost got to throw yeah. it out the window. Yeah, don't get them, yeah. I'm in a daily fab league, which is really annoying to play, if I'm being honest, because I never know when to... It's, it's only $100 fab budget, and you can do $0 bids. So the, most of the time, nobody's actually bidding any money on their free agents. They're just claiming players off the waiver wire. But Yuri Perez came up, and I'm like, you know what? I spent like $2 so far. 45 bucks. Here you go. All right. I got them. And the next lowest bid was like 10. And I'm like, but I don't care. I don't know how else I'm going to spend this money. I mean, I'm going to get the guy I want to (laughs) get. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. Let's go. Another 2023 major league debut debuting for his new team as well. Nolan Jones. He was called up by the Rockies. He started both games so far that he has come up for, including starting today as we're recording this on Saturday at first base in Colorado. 
Jones has a he had a less than impressive limited stint majors when he came up with Cleveland last season, hitting 244 with a 33% or more K rate through 94 major league plate appearances. But he's been killing it. Granted, it's PCL. Granted, it's the Colorado AAA affiliate. That's fine. Still killing it is killing it. Hitting 356, 12 jacks, five stolen bases on top of that. Just a 23% K rate and a 17 plus walk percent walk rate through 187 plate appearances so far in 2023 at AAA. Are you interested in Jones now that he's in Colorado at least half the time? Or is are you just too worried about Rockies being Rockies and manipulating weird playing time with their anybody under the age of 29? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword here. I want to... It's been the year of the post-hype prospect, it feels like. So it's you almost think he's going to maybe take a step forward. I feel every time he came up to Cleveland, he felt... I think he pressed because he was worried about getting sent out. You try too hard and then you get sent back down. They never really gave him a real long leash. I don't know that Colorado will. It's nice that they're willing to move him around and there's not much for them to play for. So they might as well see what he's got. I'm more interested in him because he's got the five stolen bases. If we can get different eligibilities and he's picking up some pocket steals, then yes, I will be more interested than less when that comes around with the caveat that I might not even use them in the week scoring period ahead. I'll use that to evaluate where he's hitting, what's going on. And then when he's at home, I'll, I would like to activate him and see what happens in that week. You don't get that luxury in town because you pick up a guy, you have to start. You got to start him right away. Sure. Um, In NFBC, I'd be willing to take a little stash and look on, if I have a team with room, I've had I've been littered with injuries, so there's only one or two teams I could do that with. Yeah, I was excited as, as many people were when he was traded. Anybody a hitter gets traded to Colorado yeah. in general, you're yeah at least take notice. It's you know all these guys who signed with Cincinnati last this offseason as well. Everybody was taking notice, even if they weren't actually going to produce. So I've got Jones at least in one or one or two draft and holds. We'll see how much I'm going to be looking at getting him in the on the rosters that make sense on my fab mm-hmm. leagues, but just out of pure funness. Like I, I threw him in my, he got called up out of Friday. So it's like, yeah. all right, I'm going to get him in my weekend lineup just to see how he does. He's in Colorado for his opening series. So obviously he didn't do that anything great on Friday. He's one for one so far today as we're recording since Saturday, he scored a run. He's knocked in a run as well. So that's something to add to my stat sheet in that league. So that makes me feel a little bit better. He had a little bit of a base running blunder for what I remember seeing on Friday. So we'll see how, if those five stolen bases this year in AAA were just due to ineptitude of the team he's playing against, or if it was his own skill that was involved. First, his major league or his Colorado major league debut Maybe, again, maybe pressing a little bit, maybe trying to do a little too much, a little too quickly, maybe calm it down a little bit and still with the new rules and all that, which is something he's used to. They've had these rules in in the minors, or at least at AAA for the last two years. So something he's he should be used to anyway. All right, we got to go in the opposite direction with this one. Really quick, straightforward question here. The Orioles, finally in quotation marks, optioned Grayson Rodriguez back to AAA as he's been driving the struggle bus to start his major league career here. If you have Rodriguez anywhere, first of all, had you already dropped him? And is is this the straw that broke the camel's back, especially in an NFBC style league where you have very limited bench spots, mm-hmm. no NA spots or anything like that? Are you dropping him now? 
I had zero shares, but yeah, I'd be moving on if with this news. There's just not enough room. It's one thing for me to hold on to Max Freed, but I know what Max Freed is. It's another thing to hold on to a guy that's at AAA. I just, you can't, with a seven-man bench, you can't do that in that format. In a dynasty, I might be kicking the tires on somebody to buy low because they're frustrated with them, but in stuff that we're playing in, no. Yeah, that's fair. I'm sure we'll be talking on the complete opposite end about Grayson Rodriguez in two or three weeks, Mm -hmm. especially if he produces at all or changes his repertoire, does something different to make us take notice. Because this is a guy, obviously, who was drafted everywhere. Even if he's dropped everywhere, you can pick him up at any time. So Mm -hmm. if you're in a lucky league where you're not, you have plenty of bench space and you want to wait a week, two weeks, you could probably get him for a buck or two bucks and stash them if you have that stash spot, that unofficial stash spot on a limited bench. But until he shows us something, yeah, I agree. If I need that stash spot for something else active, he'll be back on the wire for sure. All right, the Royals, they option Nate Eaton back to AAA in order to make room for Drew Waters, who makes his Kansas City 2023 debut on Friday after finishing up his rehab stint, coming back from an oblique strain that he suffered during spring training. Drew Waters has been, let's use your phrase from earlier, this this post-hype prospect that was doing really good things in the minors for Atlanta. Not so much once he made it up and in Kansas City, still doing pretty good things during his rehab stint this year. Are you interested in Waters, especially assuming he's going to continue, he's going to get a full run assuming his health is at a hundred percent in Kansas city. Yeah, I will. I'll be checking him out again. There's a, there's one or two teams that I have a need for what his skill set could provide. I just got to make sure I can handle the batting average risk, but yes. Yeah, of course you have. I talked about this last week or the week before. Surprisingly, Kansas city has had one of the more hitter friendly ballparks this Mm -hmm. season. And it's not, doesn't have the stigma of being a hitter-friendly ballpark. And as things change throughout the summer, and as we're all probably experiencing, at least I know I am, the weather getting a little bit warmer as the summer gets a little bit closer, it may even out throughout the major leagues. But that's not necessarily going to help waters throughout the course of the summer. But if it stays the way it has been, that could be helpful. He's like I said, he did re- he did pretty good things during his rehab stint at AAA this year. I mean, this year in the last like couple of weeks that he's been doing it, batting three twenty seven in fifty eight plate appearances in that time. Hit two, has two stolen bases over the pair of home runs as well in that short period. So if he can translate that into Kansas City, yeah, of course. Really, what's going to come down to for me is how much playing time is Kansas City going to give him? Mm-hmm. Kyle Isbell's supposed to be coming back soon. MJ Melendez has been suffering <laughs> in the outfield there. So we'll see how much playing time goes around based on the performances that we've been seeing with the Royals. I'm going to let Kevin tweet out any insight that he has on that end as well. Uh, let's go to Arizona and then, Greg, where Alec Thomas, he was sent down and Jake McCarthy came back. I'm talking about the seventh, eighth round pick, Jake McCarthy, that we saw throughout draft season. Unfortunately, he's available. Do you expect McCarthy to get any long run with Arizona as they continue to cycle through outfielders going back and forth between the majors and triple A? Yeah, it feels like they're just throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping something sticks. We don't know. Now, I did reference I have a league that does need speed if he's a cheap if he's a cheap flyer, I might do it. He'll be in a waterfall or two. I just will have to see what what transpires. I'm not going to spend a lot, but I'd be willing to see 
A, what they're going to do with him, and B, if he can regain a little. I don't need him to be what he was last year. I just need him to get a couple stolen bases a week. He's already got one. His stolen base in his, as he made the return to the lineup, 0 for 2 with the stolen base. He's got 1 for 3 today so far, batting 8th in both games. So I'm, I'm not expecting him to move up the batting order anytime soon, especially with the way the most of the Arizona lineup has been performing surprisingly well. But if he's in that quote, second leadoff spot at the bottom right. of the order, at least he's going to put it, no matter where he is in the order, he's going to steal bases. Like, I have no doubt about that. I know there's been some talk about, hey, there's certain parts of the order that are more conducive to stealing bases than others. And that has more to do with the hitters that are around you at that mm-hmm. part of the order. But He's the type of player, this is his calling card. This is what he's going to do. He's going to steal bases. What I'm talking about, that being in that nine hole, he's going to be able to score more runs in the eighth or ninth hole than he would perhaps in the sixth or seventh hole. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'd rather he bat ninth and eighth. I don't want the catcher after him or get him. Get Yeah. Actually, Moreno's been good, so he's not hitting eighth but or ninth. But yeah, get him ninth and then the top of the order can knock him around when he does get on base. Draw a walk and steal. Absolutely. All right, let's end it here with the very, uh, was a very scary scene uh, for the Brewers with Willie Adamas. He luckily, I guess I could say luckily, he's only put on the seven-day concussion IL after taking a Brian Anderson foul ball to the face in well in the dugout. So it's not something you see every day, and it was a very scary scene. My all our thoughts and prayers go to Willie Adamas that he obviously. He obviously avoided something even more serious by the fact that they only put him on the seven-day concussion IL and didn't do anything. It looks like he does, he missed out on any kind of like major fractures or anything like that. But on Saturday, we saw Bryce Trang move over to shortstop and Owen Miller take over at second base. Does this provide another Miller, Owen Miller, <laughs> enough added playing time to go along with his recent production for the Brewers to make him a must-add this week. And we saw him being add in about 50% of main events last week just with the fact that he had been putting up some decent numbers. We mm-hmm. saw this out of him in, in short stints last year as well. But the fact that now, at least for this coming week, he's going to have a clear run to have a full run at second base or wherever else they might need him. Yeah. My league, he was added. I got outbid for him, but only by a little. And that's, but I ended up with McKinstry as my backup. So that was, that's worked out very well. So I'm okay with what transpired. Sometimes the the waterfall goes your way and the waterfall under him was a guy we'll talk about later. So I was on the right path with what I was trying to fill a need on my roster. But yeah, I, again, Need dependent, but I think he's better for 15 teamers than 12. But he's had a pretty solid batting average. He's doing well with the chance in Milwaukee. And anytime you're getting guaranteed plate appearances, then you'll take it. It's also nice that he has first and second base eligibility. So then he can also go middle or corner. If you get an injury midweek, you can move him around and it gives you a little roster freedom if necessary. Yeah, not only does he have the position flexibility, which is, yes, definitely nice, and we'll talk about that later on with a couple of people as well, but Milwaukee's batting him pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's batted in every single position in the lineup beyond besides ninth, with a good majority of it being toward the top of the order, which is regardless of what you think you know about a player, 
if somebody's at the top or in the top third of an order of a major league baseball team's order, you at least have to take notice, especially if he's playing every day and it's not a platoon situation. Miller will be somebody, especially in, situ- in, in, in rosters that I need any kind of infield help, even just for a short period of time at a week, especially those where I need runs scored at the top of an order. Granted, not a team that's really producing all that much right now, but again, still top of the order, top third of the order. Got to take notice of that. Yep. All right, that's good. Oh, I'm sorry. He can give you a steal or two. He was in my Baseball HQ article the week before this one because I was noticing that he was bubbling up in mm-hmm. the batting order. So it's there. if they're doing this, you have to pay attention to it. You're getting played appearances and you're getting more runs, so he's relevant. Absolutely. I think that stigma is still attached to him from what he did last year and how yes. he f- flamed out really quickly. <laughs> and that empty batting average he had as well. So it doesn't matter if you're, again, we'll just... We'll beat this to the ground. Top of the order, scoring runs, doesn't matter. Just do what's right for your team. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the news and notes section of this episode. As always, I'm sure we missed a whole bunch of stuff worth noting. To keep up with all the news of the day, make sure you're listening to both Nick Pollock's Plus Pitch Podcast, where he highlights every starting pitching performance from the day prior, and the First Pitch Podcast with Casey Bubba and Jay Crumpler. They break down the news, highlights, and observations from every day's worth of games, as well as looking ahead at each slate to keep you up to date with everything you need to know to win your fantasy league. All right, in just a moment, we are going to talk, I'm going to talk to Greg about the biggest bullpen observations he's made so far, but we're at first, we're going to take a quick break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we are back. Of course, you are still listening to On The Wire. I am Adam Howe, this week joined by Greg Jewett, founder and owner of Reliever Recon. And that's exactly what I want to pick your brain about a little bit here, Greg, is your pride and joy here. Uh, again, we talked about it a little bit off air. It's like, you're doing more than just following bullpens. Like, we, Joey's like, you're not playing in reliever-only fantasy leagues, which would be something. And I'm sure there there's a league like that exists out yeah, there. Somebody, there is a guy who runs one because yeah. Smolsky and the bullpen guru are mm. in it, but... I'm always like, guys, I'm too busy to do. It's, it's sad to say, I'm like, there's too much in the preseason. I got too many. I got too many pots in the pots on the fire. I'm just like, I don't want to wait or give away two hours to do a reliever draft. Right. <laughs> it's terrible. I would probably have fun with it, but yeah. You still got to focus on these guys in a main league, especially in the deeper league in a 15 teamer at the very least. So you got plenty on your plate when it comes to that as well. Let's just talk in retrospective terms. Looking into 2023, we saw this happen, for, I feel like the last three years, 
closers of moving up draft boards, going in at the one two turn, going multiple closers going within the first four rounds of drafts, whether you're in 12 teamers, 15 teamers in 2023 specifically. Has that worked out in your opinion? It's yes and no. If that, I don't want to cop out, but Clause A still leads the majors in saves. So it's not like he's a dud. However, the inflated whip and BAPIP problems he suffered this year does not now. I will say one thing for Clause is I was reading somewhere that he's played in the cold, the, the aggregate, the coldest games of anybody. Like Cleveland's been playing in miserable weather. And I think he throws better. Every year in the second half, he teases like, oh my God, he's throwing more sliders. His strikeout rate's going to grow. And then he comes out in the opening in April and he's just buzzing cutters everywhere. I, I think it's time we we understand that he's, his strikeout ceiling is where it's at. We're just getting him as an aggregator. So that's okay. We just want that whip to be a little lower. He's still racking up saves and you can't fault that, but he's already had as many blown saves this year as he did last year. But they're using him a lot, man. I was watching the game yesterday and the announcers were calling him every day Emmanuel Clause. And it's it's funny, but holy crap. He leads the league in appearances and they use him a lot. So you gotta give the guy credit. Hater's been solid. The he's followed the Padres. He'll have a hot stretch and then they're not winning games. And then like David Bednar came out like a house of fire. He hasn't had a save in May. It's not his fault. It's just Pittsburgh's not winning. It's the law of averages. It was never going to be as bountiful as it was in April throughout the season. And now that's come to roost. So when to me, when people are paying for one of those top people, it's because they don't want to deal with fab. For the most part, I think it's been okay. The prices, Romano's also had some ups and downs. A couple of games he struggled with the long ball. So all in all, it's been okay. I know at Recon, we weren't, myself, I wasn't targeting Jansen. I wasn't targeting Bard at his price point. I think the biggest surprise might be Alexis Diaz. Not that he's doing well. It's just that David Bell finally gave him the Picked keys one. to the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. David Bell for years and years. It was almost like Brandon Hyde last year. It was like, I wanted to buy into what Lopez was doing and then Bautista, but uh, you always remember that the year... The three years prior, Hyde would just use a different person every single night. And I think the toughest thing, and I know this is a leading into one of your other questions. I remember the first week of the season, Munoz had a save and Yuan Duran had a save. And people were like, oh man, imagine thinking you could get these guys at pick 150 or later. And then people didn't think they were going to be the closer. And then today they They're used Duran in yeah. the eighth <laughs> inning with a four run lead, which they already had him warming up. So I get, you don't want to just get him up and not use him. And he did face the heart of the Blue Jays lineup, but it was a four run lead. So there was no need to use him in the ninth inning, but then the ninth inning went sideways and they didn't have Duran to come in and close it out. They're lucky. Imagine if Minnesota had blown that game today, what people would be saying about Rocco Baldelli. So it's every time, still we, say think, it. <laughs> every time we think, every time we think, Duran's the closer. He pulls the rug out from under us. One of the things I've looked at more this year based on Aaron Pags and Nate, when they do the podcast on the site, they followed games finished closely through the years. And I've started adding that into my process. So with today's outing that dropped his game finish percentage this year to 63. And now 
his save share is just over 50. Is that a closer? If you're only finishing 65% mm-hmm. of the games and saving about half, you can call that the primary save share, but I don't know that I want to give him the term closer, which I think is an antiquated term to begin with, but that's another podcast for another day. And the same thing, everyone was taking the victory laps when Evan Phillips was getting saves and then Dave Roberts. What I've noticed in that situation is when the Dodgers are playing a contender, he's using Phillips as what I call the highest leverage reliever. So when he thinks he needs them the most, he comes in taking on the mm-hmm. toughest pocket of a lineup. It doesn't matter if it's the seventh, eighth. He was in the fifth inning the other day. Yeah. The game's on the line, I'm using Phillips. But when he's playing weaker teams, he'll save them for the ninth inning because he's not as worried about it. He figures his bridge relievers can get him to the ninth because he's not as scared of the opposing team's lineup. It's hard to set your lineups thinking, I have to look ahead. You don't want to. Do I have to look ahead and see who the Dodgers are playing? Oh, they're playing Tampa Bay and they're playing Atlanta. So Phillips is not probably not going to get save chances. I don't think the day-to-day person wants to go through that. And that's why recon's in existence. But the there's little nuances that affect all these things. So in general, if you got closers at the price points, Duvall's been a great get. I, I hyped him up all winter and then I didn't take any shares when I'm kicking myself. He racked up his 14. So he's leading the National League now. Again, I don't think you have to pay at the top. Every year, the second, third tier usually bears out the best closers for fantasy. And I think people are going to start recognizing that and there's going to be somebody who just wants to take the early closer so they don't have to worry about fab. But I think a lot more people are going to really get in tune to get your guy in that second and third tier. And then you can get the guys a little later that'll either grow into a primary save share or you think is a guy on the come and you just build it around that way. Yeah, it really seems as though, I think I probably mentioned this either last year or at some point in the offseason, relievers have really taken the same kind of direction as catchers in a two catcher league where you have a lot of different trains of thought that are either, all right, I want to get my top guy and I'm going to have to pay up for it. And then maybe I'm going to wait. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm going to double tap guys in the second, third, fourth tiers of closers, as some people will do with catchers in rounds nine, 10, 11. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be some people who want to continue to work the wire. And that that has been more difficult this year. Simple mm-hmm. as that. Because of all the shares that have been out there, you might get a guy that gets one or two saves in a week and all of a sudden he's everybody's favorite. And then, yeah, they're using the seventh eighth inning for whatever reason, many reasons that we, as we've already discussed. It, my mind continues to go back. We had Grant Washburn on the pod a couple of weeks ago talk, and talked to him about the piece where the research he did about arbitration and how what that plays into, especially arbitration eligible relievers, saves cost money. Simple as that. And if you got a guy that hasn't been hasn't had his arbitration years bought out already, or is not even arbitration eligible yet, then you have to consider whether or not this guy is going to be used in an everyday role, and it's becoming more and more rare to see the Alexis Diaz. Is it not because it's not even about the manager? And more about just where they're at financially and what kind of dollar that the team can save and yada, yada. Do you, are there any rules at all with all that in mind, really? Do you see any rules working themselves out by the all-star break? We talked by the trade deadline, even working themselves out rather than continuously seeing this share of more teams than I think we've ever seen before. I, we spoke off air about, I do think that the reliever market is going to be very active. And 
teams like the White Sox are going to have tough decisions. Like, are we going to try and stay in it? Are we going to, are we going to do stuff on the fly? Because they have a team option on Joe Kelly, who would be appealing to a lot of teams based on he's got posts. Now he had an ugly outing today. I would say now besides that, today. Yeah, yeah sure. Before <laughs> that, he retired like 28 of his oh, last. Oh, no, he looked amazing. Space. Yeah. I, everyone's going to implode every now and again. You just take it with a grain of salt and you move on. So someone like him is going to, they're going to command a decent prospect in return. There's a, there's just a team option on him. So you're talking about the arbitration process. So it's everyone keeps thinking like last year, everyone said, Oh, they're going to trade Bednar. And then they didn't trade Bednar. And now I'm already hearing people like, Oh, the Yankees need to go get Bednar. It's like one, the Yankees really don't have something in their farm system. They're willing to give up to get Bednar. Mm -hmm. And then B, if they get them, are they really going to use them in that role? So I don't, Pittsburgh said after they traded Holmes that they learned their lesson about trading an arbitration eligible guy or whatever for <laughs> that thing. And I, he's a hometown guy. I, if the Pirates are serious about their rebuild, I don't see, I think David Bednar would easily sign a team friendly deal to stay in his hometown, to come out to renegade in Pittsburgh and just keep doing his thing that he's comfortable with. To me, it doesn't make sense for Pittsburgh to trade him. I, think I mean, he's not a free agent until 2027. Yeah, like yeah. He's, the, market, he's... the market, yeah, it's, it, it would be stupid of him to be quite frankly. <laughs> Kansas City, I think, is going to shake up the thing. And I've been shocked because I thought when they signed Chapman, there might be a little shared, but they've really stayed with Scott Barlow, even though he's been struggling a little bit recently. Every time I watch a Kansas City game, he announces, oh, here comes Chapman. He's going to be traded. The announcers are talking about him getting traded. They're just waiting <laughs> for him to get traded. So he's going to get dealt. I just don't know. Teams could have had him for nothing. So it's I don't think they're going to get a lot in return for him. Now, if they trade Barlow, there's that's going to change things because a lot of teams would like to have Barlow as a setup reliever because he's durable and he's reliable and he can get ground ball outs when he needs them. So I think that's going to, and if all that happens, like I'm keeping, there's something about Carlos Hernandez that's intriguing me. I think if they trade Barlow and Chapman, he might do pretty well in, in ninth inning options. That That's somebody long-term stash I might be keeping an eye on, but there's just, there's so many things. I don't know if the Cubs are going to be settled at all this year. I knew David Ross would mix and match, but I never knew it would be this bad. It doesn't, we're, I, I'm going to get to it later on, but does it matter? Like with the Cubs, yeah, I, it's like they've only I, had six I, saves all season. Second, yeah. second least saves. I think the least amount of opportunities, never mind saves, in baseball this year has been crazy for a team who's doing okay for themselves. Yeah, <laughs> they're well, not bad. He's, he's made a lot of shaky decisions in the late innings. It hasn't been pretty. Mm -hmm. I, I've watched a few of those games and I'm like, ooh. When he was bringing somebody in, I was like, I don't know about that one. And, and when it went sideways, and it's easy to sit in my chair and say, I don't know if I would have done that. Teams like Miami surprised me because they really gave it to AJ Puck before he had to get shut down for a little bit. And the funny thing was, is all I, you, you don't know how to wait spring mm -hmm. because it's like when it's a veteran, you're like, you look the other way because he might just be going through the motions, but it bore itself out with Bard's velocity being down and his command struggling. And then there was a couple of, there was like a two or three game segment. Alex Lang couldn't throw a strike. And Carlos Estevez was terrible all spring until like the last scary. two outings. <laughs> and he's been fantastic. And I was on both of those guys in November. And then I started talking myself out of them a little bit. And now I'm just sitting there going, 
stay with your first instinct. It's the old six one way, half a dozen the other. So it's like half the time you're right about judging the spring stats and half the time you're right about ignoring them. And we just roll with it. Like I, I highlighted Miguel Castro in one of my first Fortune 500 articles as a, I try and talk about relievers with an ADP of 500 or higher that could get you five or more saves. Nice. Lang was in one of those. I had Estevez as soon as he signed with the Angels in one of those. That's what we're trying to give to our subscribers in November. Because like once the once Detroit traded everybody in the bullpen, one of our subscribers was like, "Oh my God, I've been taking Alex Lang all winter, so now you know he's sitting pretty in a lot of his DCs, and that's the point." So, anyways, getting all around back to that, I think the Yankees will try and get somebody to anchor their ninth inning because. Even though everybody wants Aaron Boone to use Michael King that way, he's just proven he's not going to. So we just have to give up on that, and they'll keep mixing and matching until they do something in the trade market. I just don't know what they're willing to – they wouldn't trade much of their prospects in the preseason. I don't know that Cashman – he'll probably try and get somebody on the cheap, and it won't work out. Yeah, and of course, it all depends on where they're at the end of July as well in the AL East. All right, last thing I want to talk to you about specifically reliever related, and then we'll get into all of our recommendations for Fab this week. You alluded to him earlier. AJ Puck looked like he was in that role for Miami, or at least they gave him the keys. And then, of course, he goes down. Jose Alvarado looked like he had pretty much taken, regardless of whether or not he was the quote closer or not in Philadelphia, he was just blowing everybody away with the strikeout rate and uh, everything else he was doing there. Guys, both these guys have been on the IL for quite some time. They're not going to be coming off the IL anytime soon. There's obviously some talk about Jose Alvarado going on a rehab or doing a bullpen session that got skipped this past week, whatever. My question is when one or either of these guys or guys that are in the similar situation down the road, when they get back, from their injury when they are back in a hundred percent fully healthy are teams just going to give them the keys back or is it starting off from scratch in both of these we'll use these situations specifically in miami in philadelphia no i they've said puck has been asymptomatic so i think he will get back before alvarado i've seen people say that floro could wally pit puck but then you watched his outing in colorado and you're like oh that's the dylan floro i remember yeah yeah, sure Um, it's he just he benefited on a pretty good schedule and getting hot at the right time. He was just in the right place at the right time. And I've puck in a couple of places, so I'll, I'm grumbling a little bit. But same thing, I've got P. Fairbanks on a couple of teams. And then when he goes on, when he took his little respite there was when all the save opportunities happened for Tampa Bay. He pitched <laughs> for a month with nothing happening. He it was is, throwing it baseballs exactly up in the air in the bullpen. He goes on the IL, there's a save every day. I was like, what the? But anyways, I think Puck, when he gets back, will they might give him an outing or two to get his feet under him. But I anticipate him returning to the primary save share. It doesn't mean they won't use Floro in a couple of matchups where it does them best. So if they're playing a team with their two best left hand, like they're playing the Phillies and you know Harper and Schwarber are coming up in the eighth inning, you'll probably see Puck just because they want to neutralize those two hitters. But you know that's not going to be an everyday sort of a thing. And same with Alvarado. The guy was just lighting it up and you, you want to see him do okay. I just want him to be healthy. I don't want him to rush. I'm, I was excited that he could be activated soon, but then it's, you don't want to put him at risk. So he'll probably need another week or two before he returns. But 
Kimbrell's having a nice little run here, but again, he's still Craig Kimbrell. I think he's going to get tired a little and we'll, again, he's doing great. Got to say today, but gave up a home run. I just think Alvarado will work in a timeshare with Kimbrell when he returns. So both of those guys, I think are fairly safe to still be getting a share of saves. Puck has a better save share than Alvarado. If you're just doing saves, it's puck over Alvarado. If you're doing the whole thing, then Alvarado gives you more strikeouts and better ratios. Fair enough. All right. Well, it's always a fun game to play throughout the course of the season. So you got to play it in every direction you possibly can, especially as it's like we always people talk about on the offensive side, people are chasing stolen bases. You know, obviously a lot has changed this year when it comes to stolen bases, but saves are something that have not gone <laughs> chasing saves as it's like chasing wins it's like you don't want to do it but you do have to do it if you want to win your league so it's something you got to be paying attention to so if you want to be paying attention to it you should be making sure that you are following reliever recon in addition to whatever you might be using now but if you're using reliever recon it will more than likely take over whatever you've been doing greg is can you remind everybody now before we get into the next section where they can follow you how they can follow reliever recon and anything else that you got going on let's see if you ask my girlfriend and she will let you know that i'm usually busier than a one-legged man in a buck kicking contest but and that's not including the artwork I've been doing all weekend. But yeah, so on the Twitter machine, it's at G-J-E-W-E-T-9. My weekly article, which is so hard because it's so hard to cover everything that happens in reliever world in one column. But those post Thursdays on The Athletic. So anyone that subscribes to The Athletic can have access to those. And I do tiered rankings for saves and I do tiered rankings for solds in there. And every week I feel like I leave somebody out or list somebody twice by accident because it's in a big spreadsheet and then I get three comments about it. But <laughs> be that as it may, I personally think rankings are the bottom of what I do, but that's what people want to see. One of our writers said up as he's like, Greg, people want fish tacos. They don't want to learn how to fish. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, and then Baseball HQ, my hitting lineup outlook comes out on Fridays. So if you subscribe to Baseball HQ, you have access to those. And then Reliever Recon is on Patreon. We only charge $5 a month. Basically, if you go to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or whatever your coffee preferred option is, and you get a coffee during the week, then you could have access to the, we have at least two articles posted a day. And you get access to my closer charts, which update every day with people. I have game results below, swinging strike rates. I go through the whole thing. I follow games finish, percentages, all of that. Wonderful stuff. Those are included in there. So your $5 monthly fee gives you all that. We also have a guy writing about points leagues, guy doing sold columns. It's whatever. It's hard keeping up with you guys at Pitcher's List because you got half the free world working for you. But we do our best with our little niche to compete. But And then there's also a weekly podcast. So we have a lot to offer. And we have a guy who focuses on, he streams like the segment we're doing. He does a daily article about guys to stream for wins, whether it's the guy working as the bulk reliever or who's going to somebody that's only going to go four innings and the guy that comes in to replace them, the vulture saves. So every day, the, last year, I think his hit rate was like near 60%. Of that's it. ridiculous. He was insane. Uh, yeah. He's so good at doing it. Those are all the things that we offer at Reliever Recon. So it's, it's a lot, but it's, we try and deal with chess, not checkers. It's worth passing on your coffee at least once a month. <laughs> you can still get, get your coffee, just yeah. save five bucks. Yeah, yeah, just brew it at home. That's fine. <laughs> that's what I do. 
All right, let's get into our little niche here on this podcast. And I totally agree with you on that. Like, it's fun to like really get into one specific area and really dive into it tenfold. And so obviously we are talking fab here at On The Wire. We're going to get into our player recommendations for this week's fab right after this quick break. All right, back, Greg, we're going to get right into it. As we tend to do each and every week, we go category by category or groups of category by groups of category, starting with our power categories here. And we're going to be talking about players. We do this every week that are going to be, they're not going to be available in every single league. So we're going to try our best to calculate where they may or may not be available and what they could be doing for your team in those situations. I'm going to kick us off right here real quick because I think I don't, I haven't checked the percentages on the guys that you're going to talk about, but I think my guy is a little bit more readily available in your deeper leagues. I've talked about him in the past and this is a cheating because he might actually fit better in like an OP play or in a, even in a run scored rather than home runs and RBIs, which is what we're focusing on right here. He does have the capability of getting there though. And I'm talking about Ryan Noda of Oakland. He's 36% rostered in the main event, only 4% rostered in the online championships. Those 12 teamers. He is in a very strict platoon for the A's. He obviously doesn't play in the most hitter friendly of home ballparks, but he is on the road in the second half of the work week. He only faces one, he's only scheduled to face one left-handed starter, and that is with Jared Schuster probably starting for Atlanta on Wednesday. Otherwise, he should have five other starts throughout the course of the week against right-handed starters, and he should be in the lineup for all of those. And that means maybe you pick him up and he's not in your lineup for that first four game series, assuming he ha- he has the one off day with Oakland schedule. And if he misses Wednesday start against the lefty, you might set him for the first four weeks, but he should have three straight games played um, in the second half of the week as well. Like I said, he's an OP darling so far. He's got a walk rate in, that's, I think, second in the league for qualified hitters as well, which is crazy for a Rule 5 guy that you saw Oakland pick up this past offseason. He's batting second pretty much every day that he is in the lineup for Oakland. This is a, He's shown a lot of power throughout his course in the minors coming up with the Dodgers and prior to that as well. He hasn't shown through. He's only got four home runs on the season this year as well. Of course, he is in that platoon, but strong side platoon. So he should have given himself more opportunities to knock the ball out of the park. And he could get that for you this week. He should be extremely cheap. In most leagues, he's going to have the eligibility of playing both first base and outfield for you as well. So that's nice to have that kind of flexibility. And like I said before, he's batting second. Even with Oakland, he should give yourself an opportunity to score some runs as well, though we are focusing on power here. So, Greg, I'm going to ask you to give me some players or at least one player that's a little bit more an obvious power play here than Noda. Noda is a, as we talked about it off air as well, it's hard to really be scraping the bottom of the barrel in those 15 teamers, especially in your main event for guys that, are almost guaranteed not only playing time, but also guaranteed to get you that extra pop that you're looking for. This is where Noda comes in. Noda is that guy that he has the ability to do it. Um, And if you can get him this week and maybe he can show it to you, great. You hit gold, you're lucky. But these are the kind of plays that you really got to be looking for in those deeper leagues. You don't have to play them the whole week either. They can still be useful to you in short stints. But do you have anybody that's a little bit more of an obvious power play um, in the case that they might be available in people's leagues? 
I took this from a 12-team lens. So I had down Tristan Cassis. His hard hit rate's been ticking up. And they get, a they get not only are they playing a lot this week, they have a doubleheader on Saturday against Tampa Bay. So all three Reds pitchers are going to be right-handed. He's going to get a mostly right-handed option with Tampa Bay. And when you get those doubleheader games and all that other stuff, he's only... I think he's at 54% in OCs. He's almost available in half of those. So I think he would be a nice sneaky play for power in that. He's more widely owned in OCs, Marcelo Zuna, but he's been crushing the ball. His last 48 playing appearances, not counting today where he went over. He's had five home runs with an 816 slugging. I don't like the guy, but he's producing. And if I need power in a 12-team league and he's sitting there, I'm probably going to take a look at him including me and Tout this week. So hopefully none of the Tout guys are listening because <laughs> he's available in our 12-team head-to-header. So I'm on him now. In a deeper one, I think a sneaky guy this week could be Adam Frazier. Again, you're talking about somebody who's hitting near the top of the order for Baltimore. They get three games in Camden Yards. They are going to San Francisco, which isn't terrific, but I think he could still get you maybe a couple of home runs next week. With He's going to see a lot of right-handed pitching and that Orioles lineup. It's not bad. They haven't been not at all. He's Texas, but I think he is a sneaky sort of guy. Plus, the nice thing is he's second base outfield. So anytime I'm getting guys that can fill more than one spot, even if it's only a fill-in thing, it, it gives you a little more roster fluidity. So when you're looking at those, you're setting your lineup on Monday and Friday. Anytime you have more options with those guys, it's beneficial. Yeah, that's fair. And love the flexibility that you're going to get out of a lot of the options that we're going to talk about today on the offensive side. All right, as we move into the speed categories, I'll give you my weekly warning that this isn't only about stolen bases, as one of my choices is going to prove, but runs scored as well, you want to be focusing on. So in, in 15 teamers, JP Crawford is still readily available, 38% rostered in the main event, only 2% rostered in the online championship, 12 teamers. I focus on him and the next guy, Zach McKinstry, who people have been picking up like wildfire in the last couple of weeks anyway 94 percent rostered in the main event still only 23 percent rostered in the online championship but these are both guys that are leading off every day for their respective ball clubs Crawford's not stealing any bases has never really been part of his game he's been an empty batting average but he's at the top of that lineup on a pretty good Seattle team he's scoring runs like not every day you know for a reg- on a regular basis he is scoring runs at a h- higher clip than most other players JB Crawford be somebody if runs is the category that you can make the most headway in be somebody that I'd be looking at especially in those deeper leagues And Zach McKinstry is somebody that I've been picking up and dropping and picking up pretty much all season. And I think that this is finally the point where he'll be sticking on rosters where I already have him, and he'll be toward the top of my waterfall bids instead of like second or third, which has been the case for McKinstry for me in a couple places. And I think you is the same. We talked about this off air as well. McKinstry and the guy I'm going to talk about in the next section, Corey Jukes. These are guys that not only are scoring runs, especially McKinstry as he's leading off for the Tigers every day, but McKinstry's got pop and he's stealing bases at a above average clip. As I pull up my, my brag boards, if anybody's interested, I have a link on my pin tweet on Twitter where I'm tracking the rates at which everybody's running and who they're running on, et cetera, et cetera. You can check that out. But McKinstry is got a SBOT 
of second base at spot of 22.8%, which means he is running over 22% of the time he has an opportunity to do, which at this year going into going into Saturday, the MLB average was 10%, which is three points higher than it has been in the past on an annual basis. But still, this is he's at twice the average rate of a major league base runner. He is taking he's taking off and he is being successful 87.5% of the time. He's only been caught once at second base or caught once at all, never mind just at second base. But this is somebody who's pretty much doing it every doing it all because the Tigers are giving him every opportunity to do. And on top of that, the Tigers are letting him play anywhere he wants to play. <laughs> he has eligibility everywhere except catcher in first base, I think. At least on Yahoo, I know he's eligible as second, third, short, and the outfield. I know he's got triple at least triple eligibility on NFBC as well. So mm-hmm. available in both your corner and your middle as, as in addition to the outfield in utility spots. So a lot of options for him to plug in to those holes. And this is a guy that will be able to fill the holes at in any given time. And if he's in that leadoff spot, even for a not so great team like the Tigers, he's still scoring runs and he's adding on top of that, that, that speed component that we're always going to be continuing to look, even if stolen bases are more plentiful. If you can get a guy who's regularly doing it in your lineup, again, not something you have to worry about in fab as much as somebody you can trust that the team trusts to continue to do that. JP Crawford runs specifically, especially in your deeper formats, Zach McKinstry. If you're in one of those leagues that has not yet or he's been in everybody's waterfall bid at second or third like me, and he's still available. Maybe put him at the top of that waterfall bid this week. Who who might you be looking at for those speed components, Greg? I had written down Willie Castro, and he was actually highlighted in my baseball issue column as, as a guy I was looking to stream for speed next week. Again, you want as many games played as possible. They got seven next week, and he's been running. So, you know, He's only owned in 21% of main events, so that means he's widely available in OCs. I don't even have the numbers. No, no, he's probably sure. in half. And I do believe he's only outfield eligible, even though he used to play infield in the past. But we've got a guy that, again, the Twins are not very good with their lineup, so they have to manufacture runs, even though they weren't running much earlier in the year. He's had, he's had free reign to take bases as much as possible. Unfortunately, today he had, I believe, two home runs and a stolen base in his game. So that's going to add to his price on Sunday, which stinks because last week we all could have had him for a dollar. That's It's one of those things where you just ride the wave. It's like a rodeo. I don't know how how, how long he can keep this up, but I'm going to jump on the bowl and stay. And let, I'll stay on as long as I can, and when he goes to an 0 for 21 and knocks me off the bowl, I'll dust myself off and move on to the next guy I'm going to try and stream for those stolen bases. But um, I was fortunate, as you were just alluding to, I got McKinstry last week for not much in one of the leagues. I desperately needed runs and stolen bases, and he's more than he's been worth way more than I bid on him. So I'm appreciative the way he's been doing it. And if you're in an OBP league, he's just gold. He's drawing... He's one of, I think, four players this month that has more walks than strikeouts. Mm-hmm. So he's just been phenomenal. Yeah, that just adds to those opportunities too, especially if there's nobody in front of him on base as well to steal even more bases. So that's nice to see. Yeah, Willie Castro, 25% as bot. He's taking one every four opportunities that he is given to steal second as well. That's before 
the stolen base that you're talking about today yeah. on Saturday. So I like the call out there as well. Get into some guys that might have a good opportunity ahead of themselves this coming week, whether it's matchups or ballparks that they're playing in or schedule or whatever. A couple notes on the schedule. We have just six teams that play a full seven game work week. Cleveland, Minnesota, Houston, the Angels in Arizona and Colorado have a typical seven game. They have a game every single day. And then Boston and Tampa Bay each have seven games as well because of a doubleheader that they have scheduled on Saturday, June 3rd. Boston's still off on Monday and Tampa Bay's off on Thursday, so keep that in mind. So it's nice to get the four games out of those teams on the three on the weekend series if you're setting up your lineup in NFPC formats. There are two teams that have two off days. Kevin talked about this last week, but it's a weird schedule for Kansas City and St. Louis. They have back-to-back days off, Wednesday and Thursday. Nice for them. I wonder if they're going out. But every other team is playing six, either off Monday or Thursday, which is pretty typical. Colorado always focus on they were home all week this past week. They will be on the road all week with four at Arizona and three at Kansas City. And like I said, they were at home for seven straight before that. So I always keep an eye on who might be pitching against Colorado on Monday, Tuesday, as they have their first two games on the road after being home for so long. And it should be noted, they will be at home all week again the next week. So this is a pretty rare instance for Colorado to be all home or all away in a given week throughout the course of the season. So something to just keep an eye on. You're not going to see that very often throughout the season. With all that in mind and anything else that you want to be considering, Greg, is there any other player that maybe they don't fit into specifically the power or speed categories, but somebody that looks like they have a good opportunity ahead of themselves this coming week? Yeah, even though you were referencing Boston gets Monday off, a player we didn't talk about earlier is Emmanuel Valdez. As it lines up right now, we don't know specifically what Tampa Bay will do with their pitching staff over the weekend, but as it stands today, there's an opportunity that he might see seven right-handed starting pitchers this week. So remembering that Saturday's a doubleheader. So they might do like a Jalen Beeks as an opener and then have one of the guys come in behind them. But you're looking at, I don't think he's really going to be a great average option right now. But if I'm looking for a guy that's going to be able to give me some pop in good matchups through the week, outside of the stuff that like I would probably prefer Frazier just because I'm going to get a better batting average floor and some runs on Valdez in this in the alignment he has coming up this week again like we said with the three reds right-handed pitchers and then their bullpen outside of Diaz can be very shaky and then we're talking about Tampa Bay in there for that the four games in the three days and that second part of the up downs for the week I think is a he could be in the spot for a very productive week Nice, nice. Yeah, okay, if we can take advantage of that doubleheader, at least in the weekend series, you should try to do at least keep it in mind when you're making your adjustments on your in your lineups. Sometimes it's the weekend series when you're ch- adjusting your lineups. It seems really easy. It's like, all right, everybody's got the three games, but at least here you got the added plate appearances for Boston mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay to consider. The guy I kind of alluded to earlier and I talked about, I briefly mentioned his name last week. Somebody that I'm keeping an eye on is Corey Jukes of Houston. Houston, also one of those teams that has a full seven-game work week. The Duke is mostly a stolen base play here as well, though his average is not hurting you, and he's not really hurting you in any other category. 
again, being a part of the Houston lineup is not going to, not typically going to hurt you in, in any specific area. But Jukes is 21% rostered in the main event, only 2% rostered in the online championship. He's not playing every day. He is playing more often than not. But he's, what's confusing about Jukes is that he's not really in a platoon. He's not playing against righties or lefties. He's just getting every third day off. Almost like a catch. He almost has a backup catcher or even a, the front catcher schedule. He's playing pretty much as Mar- Mar- Maldonado in Houston. That being said, when he is playing, he is producing. And if you can get, again, a seven-game work week for Houston is going to get him five, four, five games on the slate throughout the week. And in your deeper leagues, if you're looking for especially speed out of somebody, Corey Jukes is somebody you should be looking at. Again, he's also in the in that 25% SBOT club where he's taking one out of every four opportunities. Being success, successful, about average, a little bit below average, but in a very small sample, 71% successful at stealing second base been caught two times so far this season but something i want to consider thinking about is you have on the one at the extreme level of estuary ruiz where obviously he's been stealing bases like crazy he's carrying some teams obviously with the amount of stolen bases that he's putting up i think i saw somewhere he's on pace for 83 stolen bases this year which obviously would be crazy in comparison to what we've seen in the last couple, last decade or so, he, Ruiz has had 42 opportunities to steal second base in 231 plate appearances. Guys like Corey Jukes and McKinstry, we talked about earlier, Jukes specifically has only had 28 opportunities to get his six stolen bases, and he's gotten those opportunities in 130 plate appearances. And so this is this is a guy who he hasn't had the same amount of opportunities as somebody like Ruiz in the same amount of playing time, but he's doing just as much with the playing time that he has been given. So on a per plate appearance basis or on a per opportunity basis, he's right up there with the uh, with a guy like Ruiz. Granted, Ruiz actually has a double twice as much of an aggressive rate as stealing bases as these guys do at 52%. But at that same point, these guys are still, if they were to get full-time playing time, McKinstry has walked into that. Is somebody you want to keep take notice as long as their rates stay where they are. McKinstry has Jukes needs to take that next step and take over left field or take over a mix of DH left field on a regular basis before you can really put him into that same category. But that's why you get him now and cross your fingers. All right, let's move into our pitching categories, Greg, for guys to look at. First, we start with our counting categories, wins and strikeouts. It doesn't have to be a two-star guy. That doesn't hurt. Obviously, you get more opportunities. If you want to follow your guy over at Reliever Recon looking for those vulture wins, whatever you want to do, who are you looking at to steal your win, maybe jack up a couple of strikeouts for your teams? If I'm keeping it cheap this week, which with my pitching, I probably will. I'm curious about Dylan Covey. He's already on his third team. However, he had a pretty nice outing his last time out. I'm looking at the 3.30 Sierra, 17.9 K minus BB percentage. And he gets a game against, he'll be going against Mackenzie Gore and Washington. I think the Phillies offense might be able to give him enough of a boost to get a cheap W. This is a guy you're probably going to get for a dollar or two bid at most. And if he gets you that cheap win, then you're riding off into the sunset and you're happy as pie and you move on to the next guy you're going to stream. There's a couple of people I was interested in, but 
they have tough matchups this week. Fayetto had 10 strikeouts over the weekend, but now he's going to go up against Houston. I don't know if I really want to go into mm-hmm. that sort of a fray. So I tried to find a guy with easier path, less resistance, and hopefully be able to, at the least, I think he'll be able to stay with Gore and we'll see what goes. But it's not somebody I'm really on long term. This is just a, a one week flyer. Yeah, I think that especially in 15 teamers, and you're probably playing more 15 teamers than I do, but I think you're starting to see, especially in the NFBC, where you only have the seven-man bench, you're starting to Mm -hmm. see more teams utilize more than 50% of that bench with starters, team streamers, if you will. Mm -hmm. Paul Sport calls them team streamers a lot. Guys that you're not going to drop, but you're also not going to play every week. You know, wait for those matchups. And so it makes it even harder to find these guys on the wire. And so it's just... Yeah, you don't always, always yeah. want to pick up those guys just because they did good last week. Like you're talking about Fayetto, if they have just a situation where I don't trust them next week, as simple as that. You can add them, but yeah, I would be I would be delicate about when I use them. Mm-hmm. But his last matchup was terrific. That's why I was going to pick him up for Tout, but I ended up getting somebody different. But that one that worked out. That he was my backup bid for for Bobby Miller because I was like, there's no way I'm going to win Miller, but I ended up winning him. So. It is what it is. I was nervous about starting him in Atlanta, but it, it thankfully worked out. I'm up against Clay Link this week. So. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. All Cup. right, we're doing okay. I Cup. got four guys going tomorrow. That's You got to have starting pitching in the head-to-head. Oh, sure. So Especially I've late got, in the week. Yeah. So Yeah. And again, yeah, tomorrow I've got Javier and, and three other pitchers all going. So I'm hoping by volume, if nothing else, that should carry me the rest of the way. That That's a perfect little segue here. As you talk about head-to-head, like I'm looking at them in one of my head-to-head leagues. I'm like, I'm looking at picking up a streamer for tomorrow. And it looks like Covey obviously is scheduled to go up against Atlanta. Not the best situation you want to see a pitcher that you're not 100% sure about. Mm-hmm. Sure. But he's also got the late game, which is always nice. It's always nice to stream the one that has the Sunday night game. Maybe I don't need him. Maybe I bench him at the last possible second. Yeah. And it's also interesting that this is a guy that you're looking at, and you won't know for sure if you really want to pick him up until right before Fab when his outing is pretty much over, regardless of whether it goes well or not. So that will definitely dictate if you're going to get him for a buck or two, or you're going to have, you know, spend an extra couple bucks here or there, just because if he does well against Atlanta. I was say, there's nothing worse than the Sunday save tax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like exactly. a guy you've been tracking all week. They're like, all right, I'm going to get him for nothing. And then he gets a save on Sunday and you're like, son of a. Nah, everybody. And yep. all of the biz extrapolate up. I've written about that more than once. <laughs> I've been following that every week. It's if a guy gets a save, it just jumps up the bidding. It's a man. But anyways, I digress. Let's get let's keep trucking. All right. Alex Wood is still available in 50% of the online championships available, I think, in one league in the main event. He obviously got his first win the other day. That was nice to, for San Francisco to give him some so much run support by the second inning. I think he was up 12 to one. And I'm just crossing my fingers because I had streamed them in an league. I'm like, please just let him go five. Don't pull him early fine. just because they have the lead. And he went 5.2. So that's nice. But he's got some really nice matchups coming up against Pittsburgh this week. And then he has Colorado with Rocky Road the following week. So this would be one of those guys that I, even especially in 12-teamers even, I'll be wanting to grab as a team streamer. And I'll be streaming him throughout the course of the next two outings. I think he either gets St. Louis or Atlanta or somebody a little bit tougher after that. So I'll play that by year when I need to. All right, let's move on to ratios as we are starting to chip away at ERA and WHIP, even in May. 
And I throw a guy that is only 2% rostered in the main event, obviously 0% rostered. This is a guy that I don't expect to be at the top of anybody's waterfall bid, but it's one of those guys, you got to know the names that you're willing to take on if you just have a giant hole in your rotation and you need, you'd rather have a, a breathing body than somebody than miss out on pretty much everybody. Joel Pamps in, in excuse me, in Milwaukee. You look throughout the course of the entire schedule. He's pitched in three games every single scoring period this season. You can't say that for every reliever, and he's been pretty dang good at pretty much every outing, mixing it up between two-thirds innings all the way up to two-inning outings. And he's reliable in that sense where you're going to get anywhere between two two and a third to five innings out of him throughout the course of the week. He's racking up some strikeouts. He's not letting up a lot of runs or hits or walks. It's just not Again, not somebody that'll be at the top of any of my waterfalls, but he'll be in my waterfalls, especially where I need a warm body who's not going to hurt me. And as a reliever who's moving his way up the ranks, Milwaukee's got three straight holds, as I'm sure you are very well aware, (laughs) as you wear your Brewers hat and obviously run reliever recon, is somebody who's running up the ranks behind Devin Williams in Milwaukee as well. I don't expect him to vulture a save per se in Milwaukee, but again, a guy that is not going to hurt me in any of my ratios and it's going to chip away, chip in a couple of strikeouts throughout maybe who walks his, he backs his way into a win. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going after him for that reason, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Milwaukee, who's not really backing anybody into a win more, most recently. Sorry to say, is this in your, ex, in your expertise is Pam, somebody that, you know, you'd be considering in your waterfall bids just based on what he's been doing, or is just not going to, is a guy like him not going to do enough in your regular Roto league for you to really be considering him? He's been very good. I looked at his stuff over the last two weeks when I saw you put his name on the list and he's got a low whip. You just want opportunity. So like when we do this one, it's just, I get that points league kind of mentality. Like I put down Hector Neris because he's been getting a lot more leverage work. He's taken over the seventh or eighth inning as opposed to Rafael Montero has been a mess this year. And even Brian Abreu ran into some trouble today. And Neris came in and cleaned up the mess. So I could see Neris getting, uh, he'll, he's probably going to work three times next week because the Astros are playing seven games. And he's somebody that might be just a smidge more likely to back into one of those vulture wins or like Presley's work back to back. So someone's going to have to get the ninth inning on Sunday for Houston. Hopefully it's not him because it'll spoil the week going forward, but I think it'll be a busy week for Houston. So you could almost see him get an ancillary save or one of those vulture wins that we crave and those sorts of things. And then when you're, if you're thinking about a multi-inning guy, if you're really looking to soak up innings, Boston's kind of changing their bullpen a little bit, but Josh Winkowski has been pretty good as a reliever and he goes like three innings or two to three innings when he does pitch. So again, remember that all those games they got coming, especially with the double header, Kenley Jansen's dealing with a bad back. His last five outings, he has seven walks to zero strikeouts. I don't know. I don't know that he's going to make a lot of back-to-back outings in this big portion of games in a small amount of time. So that opens the door for guys like Chris Martin or Josh Winkowski in this scoring period to grab you one of those ancillary saves. So if it's Winkowski, it's you're looking for more innings. If you're just going for an ancillary save, then you can take a look at Chris Martin. Nice. Yeah. And also, as we, as I tend to say, you want to keep an eye on 
how much these guys have pitched over the weekend that we're currently in. That'll obviously dictate how many innings. He did three innings on Friday, so he won't be able to. So that looks good. He'll probably keep him down till Tuesday, so he might be able to go Tuesday, Saturday. Yeah, I mean, and Naris, same thing. Naris is pitching back-to-back that could be days. six innings. Yeah. Like a starter. And that's better, and you're probably going to get better ratios over that course of those six innings that you are any streamer that you're going to pick up. All right, well, let's move into the powerhouse category here for you, Greg. We're going saves. I'm going to let you take the lead on here, but I want to throw out Mark Leader Jr., who's still available in 36% of online championships. Does it? My question to you, though, is I said it earlier, does it matter with the Cubs not actually saving games, <laughs> even though Leiter has been, in theory, in the mix for weeks now mm-hmm. and obviously got to save the other day? He is, and then as if we don't need more to worry about, they can activate Cody Hewer on the 29th. So, who it, had a obviously, nice 1.2 scoreless ending outing the other day at AAA, and he was the main component when they traded Kimbrel that they wanted him coming over in that deal. As everything we think we know about their bullpen could get uplifted again, <laughs> it's maddening. I don't know. I it's almost becoming one of those situations where I'm I might just walk away and let somebody else try and figure it out. And if they hit the jackpot on somebody, then God bless them. But um, what was it? Two years ago when everyone was chasing red saves. Oh, oh this guy's Sunday. So I'm gonna go add him, and then some. <laughs> Never seen him again. Next week, then you go <laughs> add that guy, and then it goes back to the one you had two weeks ago. It's. I feel like the Cubs are gonna be that kind of a vicious cycle, and I just don't know. I want to deal with it. I will watch what happens when they activate Hewer and things of that nature, but I just don't know if I want to be an active participant in it. The So if we're talking somebody that is either looking for a save soon or maybe getting a save share, I've been keeping a close eye on Justin Lawrence. Good velocity, weird release point, but he's really improved his command this year. He's joined that sweeper revolution Bryce Harper in an interview after he got a game-winning hit off him still said, that guy's super nasty. I got lucky today. I think you listen to players. When Bryce Harper is telling you that a guy's nasty, you take note of it. Pierce Johnson does have 10 saves, but I don't know that I can really believe long-term in a guy with a 1.70 whip or higher as my closer. I don't want that on my roster because usually when I got a closer, he's to help my ratios, not blow them up. So I think Justin Lawrence, again, I'm praying he doesn't get a save like today or Sunday. So the price stays low. Um, So I might be trying to tuck him away in a couple of 15 teamers. And if he can make headway, especially with Colorado on the road this week, because his stuff ticks up when he's on the road, I think he's somebody to keep a close eye on as somebody that could emerge with a save share in that situation. I just Again, I am pulling for Daniel Bard and Trevor May and their personal struggles. I just don't know that either team will trust either one of those guys in the ninth inning just because of the pressure that inning presents. So, yeah, that's fair. Anyways, after all that long-winded stuff, Justin Lawrence is a guy that I think you, you might be well served by tucking away in leagues that it may take till the middle of June, it may take till July, but I think... And don't forget, Pierce Johnson is on a one-year contract. So Colorado, if they could get some decent outings on him, would be well-served this time to trade. To actually make a trade? To actually make a trade, yes, and not (laughs) try and keep him under their team control. Oh, Colorado. All right, we'll move on there to our final category. My favorite category, the wild card section here. This is pretty much any kind of stash, any kind of player that doesn't fit into any other categories we talked about. 
I'm going to start us off here with this really quick shout out for Derek Hall over in Philadelphia. He is set to make his rehab starting this coming Tuesday. No, no timetable on how long that rehab will start, but this kind of makes up for my power, power recommendation earlier. Derek Hall is power, like literally power manifested as a DH only fill in at first base type of player. Everybody was very excited to grab him after Ryan Howard went down for the year and obviously was equally unexcited to drop Derek Hall into the free agency after he went down with his own injuries. But he is set to do his rehab stint. If it's a week long, if it's a two week long, whatever it is, this might be, this would be the cheapest time you have to stash him along. If power is the area in which you need the most help, as long as he comes back at 100% health, I would venture to guess he'll get, at the very least, a strong side platoon share at not the DH spot, obviously. They have somebody to clogging up <laughs> that spot right now, but to move him into first base as long as he shows what he was showing both last year and throughout the at the very beginning of this year as well. Derek Hall... He's just going to get more expensive week in and week out. So if you have the flexibility and you need the power, somebody to keep an eye out for. Greg, you got some names that we already mentioned, but I don't know if you got somebody else you want to throw out there, but or you want to just double down on somebody else. Justin Lawrence also fits this one. Uh, I'll go back to, we talked about him earlier. I truly believe, and again, you have to be patient. This is more of, think about, put write this in a notebook and then come back to this in a month. I think Carlos Hernandez might separate himself in that bullpen. So when and if Kansas City, I think they will trade Barlow. I'm not 100% sure, but it really makes sense in what they're trying to do, especially with their manager coming over from Tampa Bay. They were never scared to move a reliever at his highest value that's still in an arbitration window. If, If they move Barlow and they move Chapman, I think Hernandez could emerge as the primary save share going for it. So I don't want to jinx the guy, but there was an outing the other day. He came in and he took, he, he just blew away three batters. All he hit hundred, hundred miles per hour on all three hitters during the strikeouts. Um, he came in the other day with a, with the runners on second and third and navigated, didn't let any inherited runners score. I think he's really starting to grow into the reliever role and that I see him as it's a long-term stash, but that's someone definitely you're in the AL only and things of that nature. I think that's someone to keep close tabs on. Yeah, I like the idea of writing in a notebook and then coming back three weeks before the trade deadline and seeing where things are at yeah. and where your How's roster's he at. These last couple of weeks, is he lighting up? This, if he's still if he's still performing well, then yep. Yeah, and especially if we start hearing the rumors. There was a good column by Levi Weaver the other day on The Athletic. He was going through trade scenarios for Texas. The nice thing is usually the beat writers are giving you an idea of who's being talked about as far as being moved. And you start seeing the names like, okay, so Joe Kelly's being talked about and these guys. So, you know, what prospect capital is going to take to get some of these players and, but these are names that are out there, I think. And that's what we really have to pay attention to. Where are those things going to open up? Um, if you have Will Smith, you might want to start making alternate plans because <laughs> odds are if Texas does go out and get somebody, it's to either share saves with him or maybe take over that ninth inning so then Smith can be the highest leverage guy against the left-handed pocket. Sure. So there's going to be changes. And you just have to, you have to be prepared. Don't be sitting there whistling Dixie 
thinking you've got the guy who's going to be the closer all year and then the team makes deals, especially on winning teams. Especially in head-to-head leagues. This is the worst. <laughs> yes, and I, we don't know. I, like, I'm wearing a Brewers hat. W- would they be willing to move Devin Williams? If they're not where they want to be in a month from now and there's no chance at the postseason, if we get bad news on Woodruff and Burns is still angry at the organization, you know what, what happens? Do the Brewers blow it all up? It hasn't been a bounty of saves for Williams this year. It's, I think there's going to be one or two that just shock us, and I'm prepared for it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, you're prepared for the idea of it happening, but where it happens is always going to be. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Someone's going to do something. They're going to shove all the chips in. That's always fun. It's always a fun time of year for sure, regardless of who you're actually rooting for or where you want it to happen. All right, that pretty much sums it up. Hopefully, we got some names out there that you either doubled down on who you were thinking about or gave you something new to think about as well when you're making your bids. Greg, Jewett, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure. Is there one specific thing that you want to give a shout out to something that you guys are working on or anything extra? We'll have links to all your work in the show notes and we'll obviously can follow Greg on Twitter for all that as well. Yeah, with the NFBC kind of ramping up the second chance thing, I reached yeah, out we didn't to the even guys talk about yesterday, those. and I was like, after I just said I hate doing rankings, I reached out to the guys. I'm like, oh, we should probably get a ROS rankings for the people that are doing those drafts. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna do like a, I'm gonna do a little special, like rest of the season, just look at the projections, look at the things, and then put in guys like a couple of people I mentioned as saying these might be late round grabs, not necessarily in the gladiator, but in, in the other second chance where you have a roster getting a couple of these guys that you draft them and you're not burning fab when they do move into those save shares. We were, we've already been talking about it, so we'll get it organized tomorrow. Once Sunday's always our busiest day with oh, all sure. the fab runs. We'd, so I think Monday on Memorial Day, I'll really dive full bore into it and get a post not only with that stuff, but with our it's nice having four other people's thoughts when you do the cumulative ranks. So, yeah. And yeah, as long but, as they're not just four different voices in your own head, they're actual people. Yeah, yeah, always it's nice plus. having other yeah, voices. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> so we're, we've always been a little bit NFBC centric, but that just again, with those things coming up around the bend, that's something we wanted to do to just give our, our subscribers a little extra boost. So at least they have a firm idea of what they want to, how they want to attack relievers in those second chance drafts but it also is nice for the people that aren't in the fbc it's just an ros kind of overview like pre-trade deadline if this happens think about this absolutely great well make sure you're looking out for that at reliever recon get your subscriptions in there drop off your coffee brew your coffee at home and get that subscription there greg again thank you so much for joining me and that's going to wrap it up for episode 116 of on the wire make sure you're subscribing sharing reviewing the podcast wherever you're listening we are back every sunday with detailed fab breakdowns throughout the 2023 season of course keep a lookout for brett ford's companion article over at pitcherlist.com comes out every sunday afternoon as well you can follow myself on the twitter at 80 grade that's all spelled out kevin is at hasting kevin course follow the pod at on the wire pod like to once again thank my guest greg jewett for joining me this week follow him on the twitter at g j e w e t nine after all that i am adam howe on behalf of kevin hasting thanks for listening and we bid you goodbye